When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. To maintain concrete relationships. He can smell fried cheese curds from 15 miles away. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. Welcome aboard. Thanks for joining the Midwest Farm Report on the last Tuesday of 2020. Again, my name is Josh Scramlin, and we're going to be hearing from everybody this morning. Caitlin Riley is going to be sitting down with the folks from the Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative out of Green Bay, and they say if there was ever a time for farmers to be telling their story, it is going to be this next year. More on that is straight ahead, while Farm Director Pam Yonke is going to join us in the next 30 minutes and tell you about a service that you might be interested in, as it will be very helpful on your operation. And then finally, towards the end of the show, Market Advisor John Heinberg from West Bend is going to join me, and we are going to catch you up for his final market update with us of the year. For the Midwest Farm Report, my name is Josh Scramlin, and all of that is coming your way. Can't get enough farm news? The stories you hear and more 24-7 at MidwestFarmReport.com. Stay tuned as we'll be right back. Hey, there goes Pam Yonke in her suburban truck across Wisconsin. Thanks to Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1965. And by your dairy farmers of Wisconsin. Dairy farmers of Wisconsin exist to be a tireless advocate, marketer, and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers by growing demand for their dairy products. Keep up with Pam on social media, Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and Twitter, and at MidwestFarmReport.com. In about three weeks, we'll have new occupants at the White House, new leader, although retooled new leader at the USDA, Tom Vilsack. But in other words, things will be different as we get into 2021. What does that mean for agriculture? Bob Bostel at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And all farm organizations are trying to figure that out. What do we look forward to in 2021? And Caitlin, you talked to some folks that are wondering that same thing. That's right, Bob. Don't we all wish that we had a crystal ball and we knew what people are going to propose, what policies are going to be put in action, and how this was going to impact our business? From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Caitlin Riley, and I had the chance to talk with Michael Torrey. He works with the Michael Torrey Associates, but he's a consultant for the Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. And so he knows a lot about the ins and outs, not only of policy, but also how it can input impact our farmers on the ground level. And so I asked him what he foresees with this new administration, because it's not just the president, it's members of Congress and other individuals that have changed seats, changed hands. And we're trying to figure out what that can mean for you and your individual business. And I asked him what that impact can be for our dairy producers. Well, it's a very good question. So let me just begin from a process standpoint, talking about how we see things uh, moving forward. In a few days, I guess, or a month or so, we're going to have President-elect Biden inaugurated with, as best we know, a Democratic House and uh, to be determined whether the Senate is going to be controlled by Republicans or Democrats. We're going to know that on January 5th when the runoff occurs in Georgia for those two Senate seats. And the outcome of that will have an impact on some of the challenges facing dairy farmers 
And I offer that in the sense that you may recall Vice President, now President-elect Biden, ran on an agenda that had several proposals, but probably the one that would impact agriculture the most would be some of the thinking around climate change. And if the Senate remains Republican, it's going to provide a bit of a check and balances to some of the agenda items that the progressives have been pushing within the Democratic Party. So that part is to be determined. At the same time, um, we have the general farm and dairy economy that probably is not going to change much from the trajectory it's on, starting with trade. Uh, President Trump and his administration, as we all know, and all your listeners know, decided to offer up a reset on several significant trading relationships that are important for dairy. The one we talk about the most, obviously, is the uh, North American Free Trade Agreement and the rewrite of that, and clearly Mexico being the number one market for dairy. That was significant in addition to trying to level the playing field a little bit with Canada. But at the same time, the efforts on trade impacted other countries. And some of those relationships and negotiations resulted in aid or government support to those industries that were impacted. And dairy was one of those. And so the question becomes going forward, is the work that was done during the Trump administration, is that groundwork been laid in a way that it's going to not change? And we in agriculture will have the markets that were being worked on in the last four years. So that's kind of the the number one watch out. Is the trade economy for agriculture going to be strong or stronger as a result of what's happened in the last four years? The other part of this clearly is we are going to be going into the next farm bill in 2023. But when we think about those folks that have been champions for this industry, that have been champions for for the dairy farmers of EDGE, We know that they were, in large part, pretty familiar with dairy policy. And I think Colin Peterson or Pat Roberts is just two examples. The change in the caucuses, both Republican and Democrat, have been pretty significant. There are a lot of new faces, and there are not a lot of existing members that understand or can talk about dairy policy. So for all of us, we are going to have to begin working on that old-fashioned word advocacy, meaning if ever there was a time for farmers to be telling their story, it's going to be this next year. And we're going to have to be very persistent, not only in telling the story, but finding those that are willing to advocate on our behalf within Congress. I know that a lot of our farmers and producers out there say, let's leave politics out of it. Let's just talk about agriculture. But as you just laid out, there's a lot of influences that can impact what we do in our day-to-day lives. And when it comes to advocacy, I know we're stretched thin as is. Not everyone has time, but what are some of the simple steps that we can take to send that message out there? What are some of the groups that we can request do that on our behalf? Well, I want to go back to the first part of something you observed about letting politics just stay out of the way and let farmers do what they best do best, and that's produce food. I could not agree more because you look at every day, farmers go about their business, and all they want is a marketplace, unfettered, that allows them to take their product to the consumer. And yet think about the challenges they have 
and that like it or not, government is involved. And I think most of us don't like it. Climate change is a great example where from a societal standpoint, there are those that want to put mandates and cost on the farm, forgetting that, you know, the original, the pioneer environmentalists are farmers. They're already doing a lot of things out there. And all they're saying is that any new policy that you put forward, we believe has to be science-based. It's got to be guided by farmers. And you've got to respect the fact that every farmer is different. Or let's go to workforce. You know, what's the one thing that's holding production agriculture back? And for that point, a lot of those involved in the entire supply chain, even on the processing, manufacturing, and distribution side, and that's having an adequate workforce. And yet at the same time, Congress has not acted in a responsible way to ensure that producers have the labor they need to deliver the product. So once again, this is a decision point with Congress. And then, of course, there's trade. And dairy farmers uh, do a great job, as all farmers do, on producing food. But they have to have a marketplace for that. And yet government and politics get involved in determining what and how much access and to whom their product should be allowed to have. So again, here we're back into the, the trough of government trying to deal with things that, that we should just be allowed to move forward and under the whole principle of freedom to operate. We should be allowed to, to have the freedom to operate. And I won't even get into the labeling and guidelines as far as dairy labeling and dietary guidelines. So at the end of the day, you know, what can we do? Well, the one thing we can't do is decide that someone else is going to do it. You know, there's fewer farmers than there used to be. I think all of your listeners know that. And if you're sitting there, and I know that Edge thinks about this day in and day out, that if you're sitting there and you feel like politics and government are getting in your way, then you need to take at a minimum a moment and make a contact, um, even if it's with the district office of your elected official, whether it's your member of Congress or your senator, and you need to let them know that it's having an impact. And, And Edge, that's the one thing they've worked very hard on in the last several years was to build up that grassroots to expand their voice, to bring a lot of intellectual capital to the table from their producer members, and then try to move the needle in their favor. And of course, I think it goes without saying that the folks, your neighbors, your local press, they need to understand your challenges too, because we're democracy, we're representative government. These folks don't show up in DC and come up with their own ideas, although I guess a few do, but those ideas start in the countryside. And that means it starts with each one of your listeners. Michael, I appreciate your passion for this as a dairy farm girl myself. It's refreshing to get some inspiration. I think those are all the questions that I have for you. Was there anything else that you want to add? You know, as far as as what I can offer in addition to what, what I've already offered, is I just feel like as dairy farmers, as as farmers and producers, as folks that are involved in the supply chain, that it's really important that we not get pulled in to the shrill voices that are attacking our industry and the product that we produce. Farmers farm for a reason. They farm to feed people, and they just want to be given the freedom to do that and not get caught up in all of the noise. So I think the message I would leave with your folks is I can't emphasize enough the need to become active and to engage in the process. 
Thank you for your time, Michael. And once again, that's Michael Torrey from Michael Torrey Associates. He's a consultant with Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. And you just heard him say that now's the time, more important than ever, to be sharing your dairy farming story, picking up the phone, sending emails or even letters to your representatives, and keeping dairy top of mind for these individuals who will be setting forth policy that could impact our industry. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Kate Riley. Wondering what the weather is going to be like today? Ag meteorologist Stu Muck will join us in moments right here on the Midwest Farm Report. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. He takes being called a pig as a compliment because he knows that they're smarter than most dogs and people. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. It is a very, very chilly Tuesday here in Wisconsin. We're going to bring in ag meteorologist Stu Muck in just a second. But first, just to look at what is straight ahead, we are going to be speaking with market advisor John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson to get the latest market happenings. Again, that is straight ahead. And now we bring in ag meteorologist Stu Muck. So Stu, I'm just looking at some of the current temps and I'm seeing a lot of single digits. It is one degrees in Mauston and one degrees in Shano right now. Is that what you're seeing all around the state? That's it. At least we are above normal. I see parts of Minnesota dropped to below zero last evening, but are back to above zero now. That's because clouds have built in and there's some moisture coming our way. We know there's going to be some storminess in Wisconsin, and you can look at the map that I'm seeing with a lot of color, a winter storm warning in a good part of south central and southwest Wisconsin, all lining up on a line from north of Beaver Dam over to Wisconsin Dells, south of La Crosse. South of that line, 
It's a winter storm warning north of that line. That includes La Crosse, Mauston, and uh, Oshkosh and Fond du Lac. It's a winter weather advisory, but it all comes into effect through the day today. Last end of the nighttime as well. Low pressure is going to build up from the plains. The system's still out around Colorado, but the radar indicating that there is snowfall and it's pushed up from Colorado into Nebraska, northeast Kansas, South Dakota, southwest parts of Iowa, northern Missouri. That snow is going to push toward Wisconsin. Showing up yet by late afternoon, evening, and around through the nighttime. Could be heavier at times through the night. And, of course, with some strong winds, there'll be a little blowing and drifting. Mild air building in will, in fact, allow for temperatures to warm up tonight while that snow is falling. Meaning kind of a wet, sloppy mess is what we expect. And it lingers just into early Wednesday. Those temperatures that warm up overnight stay fairly mild tomorrow, but cool off during the day. So we get colder again as we head toward Thursday. But sunshine redevelops. Oh, wait, there's more. In fact, as we look toward Friday, I expect another round of snow may not develop again until a bit later in the day and last through the night into early Saturday as well. Temperatures starting next week or the new year around and above normal. I'll have forecast details and snow amounts right after this. You know truck duallys, but have you thought about a dual career providing the ability to farm and work for great benefits? From farm implement parts to medical equipment to power tools, Signacast builds the things that help build America. Work shifts allow for 78 fewer days at work per year. Signacast is now hiring production and maintenance employees at their Hartford location, a clean, high-tech workplace. Build your future at Signacast.com careers. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin soybean community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. We're talking weather on a very cold Wisconsin Tuesday morning. Ag meteorologist Stu Muck joins us. So, Stu, I, I, I can't help but laugh a little bit because I was looking at current temps. Nine degrees in La Crosse, three, degree, three degrees in Eau Claire, and then 10 degrees in Madison. I'm like, wow, it's, it's the warmest in the state in Madison. I don't know if warm's necessarily the right word. <laughs> well, you know, 10 isn't too far from normal. I mean, uh, I see the normal nighttime low La Crosse is 11. The normal for Madison is 13. So, all right, maybe you can think it's warmer, but it's almost normal for this time of the year. Keep in mind now, we have to talk about that uh, winter weather advisory, La Crosse, Mauston, Oshkosh, Fond du Lac, and the winter storm warning for Madison and Beaver Dam. For the day today, cloudy skies and some snow will develop mid-late afternoon, a little light snow building in. Upper 20s today as winds become southeast around 5 to 10, gusting a little bit toward evening. Cloudy skies, more snow at night. That's when it really starts to build in. Those temperatures rise through the nighttime. Could even be up around freezing by really early tomorrow. Uh, southwest winds about 10 to 20 develop through the nighttime. And then tomorrow, well, cloudy skies, a little snow, maybe some rain in the south should begin to taper off and end during the day. Cloudy skies, temperatures falling to the mid or even low 20s in the afternoon. West winds about 5 to 15. And then some sunshine come Thursday. Low to mid 20s for highs about normal and the northwest breezes. Talked about snow, I'd say about 3 to 5. Lacrosse to Mauston, Oshkosh, Fond du Lac. More likely about 4 to 6 uh, 
from Madison to Beaver Dam. That's kind of the heavier line of snow, Josh. You're going to be right in, in the line there, uh, Madison to the northeast of the heaviest snow and probably the wettest, sloppiest as well. Oh, I cannot wait. <laughs> but we'll need we'll need you for a firsthand experience. <laughs> I, I will I will give you a firsthand account tomorrow morning. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. All right, Stu. We'll talk with you then. That's Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck taking a look at current temperatures around the state. It's 10 degrees in Madison. It's 3 degrees in Eau Claire. It is 9 degrees in La Crosse. 3 in Green Bay. It is 0 degrees in Wausau. And 3 degrees in Oshkosh. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. If you've been injured in a bad crash... You might think the facts are so clear that you don't need an attorney. Big mistake. Insurance companies have many arguments to reduce settlements, no matter how clear the claim may seem. I'm John Rihala. At Clifford & Rihala, we have the experience you need to take on those arguments and win. Recent example. A young woman was driving when an oncoming car crossed the center line and crashed into her head-on. She was severely injured and paralyzed, and needed experienced lawyers. Though her case seemed clear, the insurance companies still came up with lots of reasons why they didn't want to pay. We fought for her and made sure she and her family received the full compensation they deserved. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys, fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Advanced Concrete is ready to see you back at work. Advanced Concrete is looking for a few more ReadyMix drivers. If you currently hold a valid CDL, you could easily be on the payroll. Visit advanced-concreteinc.com. Advanced to a family-owned ReadyMix business. Advanced Concrete. Producing concrete foundations to maintain concrete relationships. The concrete producing company. The contractors rely on Advanced Concrete. ADHD. It's the child who can't pay attention or sit still in school, right? The answer may be yes. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, can be complicated and it can last a lifetime. Living with a condition can sometimes be a challenge. It may take years to accept a formal diagnosis, and it's not always easy to find the right treatment plan. Did you know that up to 75% of children and adolescents with ADHD have at least one additional mental health condition that also requires a comprehensive approach to treatment? ADHD guidelines were recently updated to reflect the need to screen for associated disorders. Be sure to talk with your child's doctor about proper screening and visit moretoadhd.com for additional information. That's moretoadhd.com. This message has been brought to you in partnership with ADA, ACO, and CHAD. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. 
By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. ADHD. It's the child who can't pay attention or sit still in school, right? The answer may be yes. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, can be complicated and it can last a lifetime. Living with a condition can sometimes be a challenge. It may take years to accept a formal diagnosis, and it's not always easy to find the right treatment plan. Did you know that up to 75% of children and adolescents with ADHD have at least one additional mental health condition that also requires a comprehensive approach to treatment? ADHD guidelines were recently updated to reflect the need to screen for associated disorders. Be sure to talk with your child's doctor about proper screening and visit moretoadhd.com for additional information. That's moretoadhd.com. This message has been brought to you in partnership with Ada, ACO, and Chad. All right, Robbie. Okay, it wasn't the prettiest of wins for the Packers over the Panthers. Aaron Jones showed up in a big way. What's your uh, final takeaway uh, on their win as they retain that number one seed in the NFC? Well, I mean, I, I think there's some things to clearly be worried about. You know, they are 11-3, and Evo, but I think something that a lot of fans overlook or maybe just you know, don't know or haven't paid attention to is we're 14 games into the season, Evo. They've only played three teams with winning records. Um, obviously, that's going to change here coming down the stretch, not just, not just Sunday night when they see Tennessee and maybe the Bears game, you know, the following week, but certainly in the playoffs when they're going to have to win a couple of games to make it to the Super Bowl. But, I mean, they, they beat the Saints in Week 3, a team that's 10-4 and four right now. They lost to the Colts. Um, and they lost to Tampa Bay, Evo. Colts, I think, are 10-4, and four, Tampa Bay's 9-5. and five. So they're 1-2, and two, Evo, against teams with winning records. So, it, it, you know, when, when a, a game like Saturday night finishes, you, you do clearly ask yourself, how good are these guys? And Rodgers himself said after the game, they haven't put together four consecutive quarters of good football um, throughout the course of, of this season. Now, uh, you know, the positive is obviously, from their perspective, they win the game, right? If you look around the league, the Rams are losing to the Jets, right? The Steelers are losing to the Bengals. I mean, anything can happen in this league. They picked up another game on the Saints when the Saints lost to the Chiefs. So, big picture-wise, Evo, they're in great shape here coming down the stretch. I mean, a lot of people may not realize this, Evo, but, but they can lose Saturday night or Sunday night, I'm sorry. And as long as they beat the Bears in Week 17, they're going to be the number one seed uh, in the NFC. Um, they can afford an out-of-conference loss. Right now, they, they've got a one-game lead uh, on the Saints and the Seahawks, and the way the tiebreakers are going to work, if uh, 
you know, if they lose that Tennessee game, it's just not detrimental. It's it's not going to hurt them in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. The only thing that can hurt them coming home here is a loss to the Bears in terms of giving up that number one seed. We know how they've dominated Chicago during the Favre and now Rodgers there. I think I think Rodgers is twenty and five or something like that against them. I'd have to go look at the numbers again, but he's playing about eight hundred you know, football against these guys, winning about 80% of the time. So it, it, it still clearly looks really good for a number one seed, Evo, but there's, there's un, undoubtedly questions, right, as, as you head to the postseason. Are these guys good enough to string together back-to-back wins in the playoffs against, I mean, let, let's just let's just say it outlines like this, Evo, where they open with Tampa Bay and then they have to beat the Saints, or, or maybe they open with the Seahawks and then have to play the Rams, or whatever the scenario is. Do you feel good enough about them winning two straight home games against teams of that quality to reach the 55th Super Bowl. And, and I would say right now that, that that's kind of a coin flip, Evo. Yeah, it definitely is, Rob. All right, let's move. Let's advance the story then, because what's the Packers' Achilles heel? You know, teams with winning records, we were talking about just there, or a team with, you know, a nasty front seven or a team with a really good running back. We've seen what, you know, Delvin Cook has done. We saw what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. What do you think Derrick Henry is going to do of the Tennessee Titans Sunday primetime against the Packers at Lambeau Field, Robbie? So Henry comes into this game, Evo, at 1,679 yards, right, which is 321 away from, from 2,000. You think yeah. he's getting to 2,000? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I mean, he'd need a Ron Dean, Melvin Gordon, but if, know, it, if it were to happen, though, happen, if it were to happen, though, I, Robbie, wouldn't it happen against the Packers? If it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen Sunday night. No, you're 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 spot on, Evo, <laughs> because they are going to run the guy thirty times. And and the key for Green Bay, Evo, is they've got to keep this guy to like a buck twenty, right? Not two ten, something like that. I mean, Henry's as good as it gets. I mean, he uh, again, kind of flip a coin between him and Cook in Minnesota um, in, in terms of the best running back in in, in the league, but. You know, we're, we're talking 15 touchdowns, Evo, over five yards to carry. Uh, I look at his last two games. He's he's 147 the other day against the Lions, and he comes out of that game early. He's 215 the week before against Jacksonville. So right there, Evo puts him at, at what, 362 in the last two weeks. He does that coming home and the old, down the stretch here, and he's going over 2,000 yards. I mean, so he's in the middle of, obviously of an all-time you know top 10 running back type of a season he's as good as it gets in this league uh packer nation fully understands the number one achilles heel of this defense is stopping the run um but again Evo, i i I go back to this and 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 again green bay has to prove that they've made strides in this area before the postseason right i mean the 49ers ran the ball against green bay 42 out of 50 times in that nfc championship game He can smell fried cheese curds from 15 miles away. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. Farm Director Pam Yonke will join us in just a moment to talk about how you could get something off your farm that you don't want on your operation completely free of charge. She'll join us in just a second. But first, let's take a look at what happened on this day in history. It was on December 29th, 1845, that Texas became a state and entered the Union. 
Texas was the 28th state. And here's a fun fact about something that I'd love to visit in Texas. Haven't been there yet. The King Ranch. It is the largest ranch in the entire nation. It is 825,000 acres, which means that it is larger than the state of Rhode Island. And then also, happy 72nd birthday to Sam Mayday Malone himself, Ted Danson. From Cheers, turns 72 years old today. And now you know. Again, my name is Josh Scramlin, and right now I am sitting behind the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk taking a look at what is happening in your world on a Tuesday. For this story, I'm going to toss things to Farm Director Pam Yonke. And if you have unwanted plastics on your farm, you'll want to pay attention. Pam? If you drive past the average dairy farm, you may or may not notice how much plastic they use. But once it's used, what do you do with it? There's really no massive recycling effort in local communities. But there is Revolution Plastics. They're about five years old in the state of Wisconsin where they actually go out to farms and collect all that used plastic. Price Murphy is their director of operations. Revolution is up to now seven U.S.-based manufacturing facilities. We now employ over 1,000 team members, and we're keeping over 200 million pounds of dirty ag plastics out of the landfill or being burned on the farm each year. We're on our fifth year of the dumpster program here in Wisconsin. So for the past five years, and we continue to do so, we provided free dumpsters and free collection service for the dairy farmers of Wisconsin. There's thousands of farms on the program. The program continues to grow on a weekly basis. So, yeah, the uh, the farm program is going really, really well. And how does that work, Price? Because most farmers are going to say, now, wait a minute, you're going to give me a free dumpster to collect something I don't already want. How does it work? Yeah, it's, it's, it's worked virtually the same since uh, uh, five years ago when we kicked it off. Uh, Revolution Plastics uh, uh, offers a, a, the free dumpster service. All they have to do is give us a call at uh, 844-490-7873. Let us know that they're interested in a dumpster. I'll give them a call back. We'll make sure they're in a county we can service, make sure they have a plastic type we can help them with, and explain the program a little bit. And then they come grab their dumpster from the Madison location, take it back to the farm. And from that point, our driver services the uh, dumpster-owned farm uh, from that point forward. You know, when Price and I have talked about this before, sometimes I think you assume it's a Madison or an urban kind of collection thing. You get an awful lot of dirt when you're out there collecting that farm plastic, don't you, Price? Absolutely, Pam. So over the years, the farms have done a great job of keeping out the net wrap, keeping out the twine, and, and keeping out uh, the other things that, that are not pleasant in a recycling program. But, yeah, one of our number one contaminants right now continues to be uh, just the farm dirt. We're having to deal with millions of pounds of just dirt every year. So if those farms could shake out a little bit of that dirt before they throw the plastic in the dumpster, that'd be a win for, for all parties involved. Price Murphy, Director of Operations for Revolution Plastics, right now working with about 5,000 farms in Wisconsin and Minnesota to collect their spent on-farm plastics. Now, if you're interested, you can give them a call, and they will try to get a dumpster to you right away. The best way? Reach out to Price himself. He lives in Dane, 608-851-0048. Again, Price Murphy's number for Revolution Plastic, 608 608- Eight five one zero zero four eight. All right, Pam, thank you so much for that. And in other news, last week, the head of an anti-meat extremist group posed as the CEO of Smithfield, 
during a national television interview. The National Pork Producers Council says the conversation contained, quote, outrageous and false claims about the U.S. pork industry and the challenges it has faced during the COVID-19 pandemic. A.V. Roth, who is the president of the National Pork Producers Council and also happens to be a Wisconsin hog farmer from Crawford County, had a very sharp response to the interview. He said, quote, taking advantage of this black swan event to drive an anti-meat, anti-livestock agriculture agenda is reprehensible. These radical extremist groups who typically work shrouded in secrecy and false identities frequently by breaking the law are only able to propagate their false narrative by fooling journalists and posing as credible sources. And then keeping it with pork, as of December 1st, U.S. farms contained 77.5 million hogs and pigs. That's down 1% from December of last year and down 1% from September of 2020. Those numbers were published last week by USDA, and they said that of the 77.5 million hogs and pigs in the country, 71.2 million were market hogs, while 6.28 million were kept for breeding. Iowa producers held the largest inventory among all 50 states at 24.8 million head, while Minnesota was next with 9.4 million head, and North Carolina finished third with 9 million head. According to the report, Wisconsin currently has roughly 400,000 hogs and pigs within its borders. From the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, I'm Josh Scramlin. Wondering what bean prices are looking like? What about corn? No need to worry. Daily market updates all day long from the Midwest Farm Report happen right here. And there's one straight ahead. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin soybean community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. You know truck duallys, but have you thought about a dual career providing the ability to farm and work for great benefits? From farm implement parts to medical equipment to power tools, Signacast builds the things that help build America. Work shifts allow for 78 fewer days at work per year. Signacast is now hiring production and maintenance employees at their Hartford location, a clean, high-tech workplace. Build your future at Signacast.com careers. A man that knows any food tastes better when deep fried and served on a stick. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. Markets are straight ahead, but first, if you have yet to check out the Century and Sesquicentennial Farm Salute by going to MidwestFarmReport.com, then you definitely should because there are a lot of really great stories, some amazing tales behind some of the most historic farms here in the state of Wisconsin. They're all in one place. And just to give you a little sampling of the things you can hear, I want to play you a little clip from an interview I recently did with Lori Bauer. Her family's farm in Dodge County is 103 years old, and her father, Charles, is 94 years old, and he has lived on this farm his entire life. And Lori says that he has some really good old farm stories. 
The one story that he told us when his dad and brother went to Oshkosh to get one of their brand new tractors and they had to drive it home and they left at like six in the morning, didn't get home till six at night because it was a slow truck up there and a slow truck down with the tractor. If they would have had it delivered by train, it would have been like about a six month waiting period to get the, the tractor actually delivered to the home. So that's why they decided to drive and pick it up themselves. The Century and Sesquicentennial Farm Salute again can be found by going to MidwestFarmReport.com. That is presented to you by Compier Financial with the help of the All of Us Research Program. With that, let's take a look at your opening markets. March corn is at 455 and a half. That's down a penny, while May corn is down one and a quarter at 455 and three quarters of a cent. January beans are in the hole two cents at 1253 and a quarter. And March beans are at 1254 and a half. That is down two and three quarters of a cent. Wheat is the only grain in the green right now. March wheat is up two pennies at 616 and a quarter. And May wheat is up two and a half cents at 617 and three quarters of a cent. Butter's down three and a quarter at 149 and a quarter. Black cheddar's up one and three quarters of a cent at 161. And a half and cheddar barrel is up a half a cent at 147. And then as for your class three fluid milk, con- and then as for your class three fluid milk contracts, January milk is up 10 pennies at 1652, while February milk is up four cents at 1773. Market advisor John Heinberg joins us next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual Insurance, the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, is here for you even when the weather isn't. With crop hail damage, protect your operation from hail, fire, lightning, and more. Visit RuralMutual.com slash farm. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. When asked to name his favorite family members, he asks if the animals in the barn count. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I am originally from Michigan, and don't worry, I'm not a Michigan or a Michigan State fan, okay? So we can get that right out of the way. But when I was home recently, I caught up with one of my good family friends. His name is George Mann. He is 84 years old, and he has lived a pretty interesting life. When he was growing up on a farm, his family became very friendly with Henry Ford. Yes, like the guy that created the modern automobile, that Henry Ford. And if you don't believe me, well, just ask George. Henry Ford was involved with water power. He got interested in these small towns. And we were living on a, renting a farm downtown, and it was 320-acre farm. So he bought the farm. He was old then. But he was still interested in agriculture. And uh, he would come out, and this was before World War II. <clears throat> he used to come to the farm, and he'd go in the house and sit and bother my mother and talk to her. Well, he's don't stop doing anything, just keep doing what you're doing. He'd sit and watch it. And he enjoyed that. He'd go sit in the barn. And uh, so then I was 
I guess six, seven years old. And he would come out in a black four-door Ford car. And his bodyguards would come behind in all in big Lincolns. And so he'd get me in the car, and we'd drive back to Deer Lake. There was a good road through our property back to frontage on Deer Lake. And I used to ride back there with him, and he'd say, Now, how far over here do we own? How far is it to Deer How much do we own on Deer Lake? And I didn't know any of that stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, and I, the thing that I really remember about it, the few times I did that, he always had a big bottle of Ferner's ginger ale mm-hmm. in his car and Dixie cups. And we'd have a cup full of ginger ale. Okay, so not only did you guys know Henry Ford personally, not only did, did you know him growing up and was he around your farm, but uh, did you guys ever get the sense that he was this very, very wealthy man? I remember my dad always farmed with horses and did all the farm work with horses. And Henry Ford says, told Dad, he said, you know, you have to have a tractor. So one day, truck pulled in with a brand-new Ford tractor, a disc, a two-bottom plow, and a spring-tooth drag. Dad says, what's this? Truck driver said, I was just told to dump it here. And so he left it in the yard, and Dad didn't know what to do with it. And so Henry Ford came out in a few days later, a week or so later, and said, you haven't used that tractor yet. And he said, I didn't know I was supposed to. Well, I got it here for you to use. And Dad said, I don't know how to drive that tractor. I've never been around a tractor. week or so later, a car pulled in. Guy got out of the car and he says, I'm here to uh, teach you how to drive that tractor and I'm supposed to stay here as long as it takes until you learn. And he was a Ford employee so that we had that tractor until, well, we moved off the farm. When you were a kid, you were six or seven when Henry Ford was hanging around your guys' place. Mm-hmm. At the time, were you comprehending that this was one of the most important people in history no. or was he just an old guy? Not really. He was just a. Uh, Good old guy. Oh, and when he was around our place, he was just a normal old guy. He was asking a lot of questions all the time. But he liked to sit in the barn with the cows or something or sit in the house with my mother and just talk about farming. Why do you think he took such a liking to you guys and did stuff such as drop off the tractor? Well, I think he was interested in agriculture, Mm -hmm. and he owned the farm, and my dad was working with horses, draft horses and he was trying to convert you know uh, farmers into mechanized tractors and uh, combines balers and things and I think that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. it, uh, I, I don't know any other reason but <laughs> he just uh, but he liked he liked the old farm in one way but he wanted to try to modernize it if he could. And it wasn't just tractors that Henry Ford was helping out with when it came to George and his family back in the late 30s, early 40s. He offered my dad this farm here where we're sitting now, 63 acres. Had the old farmhouse and there was a huge big barn. So old Henry Ford says, I'll sell you that farm, but I want the barn because all the timbers were wooden pegged hand hewn timbers in the barn. And my dad says, well, a farm is no good without a barn. Mm-hmm. He said, well, I'll give you a barn to go along with it if you want it. And so he 
He had the barn move from down there and moved up here. But George's involvement with Ford didn't stop right there as he eventually became an employee for Ford Tractor in a career that spanned over 30 years with the company and saw him retire as a vice president within Ford Tractor. Started as a as a test driver. We had NAA tractors with Vickers vein pumps on them and two bottom plows, and we plowed up every bit of ground around here that we could get. So then I, I stayed on, and I went from a test driver to engineering department into the service department, and for a short time into advertising, sales promotion, and back to the service department, and that's where I retired. So I had a long career with Ford. I, part of the Ford operation since I was six or seven years old until I was old enough to retire. If you had to give me maybe your best moment of your career, I know that's a very broad question, but what was like something you did and you're like, I've made it, this is the best thing ever? I I think one of the the highlights was when I was in test engineering, and it was interesting to test products and find out exactly where the flaws were mm-hmm. and try to uh, work with suppliers and engineering engineers to redesign them. And I had a lot of, it was a lot of good time there. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in sales promotion, I, I got all new equipment. We used to go out and photograph them, different areas of the country. Mm-hmm. And when we had... Uh, front-end loaders. We went to the Miami airport and did a lot of photography on in the uh, airport down there. I have a picture down someplace around here. Uh, we were on the, one of the big horse farms in Lexington, Kentucky, photographing a Ford tractor and a rotary mower. So the farm manager wouldn't let us in the field with the horses. We wanted the horses in the background and, you know, on the tractor. So I had that picture, and the farm manager is standing down in the corner. You can just barely see him. He's holding the horses back there. And I drove the tractor, and we took some pictures of it, and we never did turn the cutter on. We were afraid we were going to hit a horse. <laughs> but there was times. I had a lot of good a lot of good experiences with Ford Tractor. What a cool conversation. It was great to sit down with George, and I've known him all my life, but there's not a lot of opportunities where you get to sit down and ask people questions like that. So I guess my biggest takeaway uh, to tell you, the listener, is that for the people in your life, just ask them questions about their upbringing and what's the coolest thing that they've ever done. You might be surprised, because if you saw George, you would never, ever think that, oh, that guy knew Henry Ford growing up. Just thought I would uh, change things up a bit this morning and share that story with you. And if you dig agricultural history, I would highly encourage you to check out our Century and Sesquicentennial Farm Salute on our website right now, and that is brought to you by Compier Financial and the All of Us Research Program. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. Can't get enough farm news? The stories you hear and more 24-7 at MidwestFarmReport.com. Stay tuned as we'll be right back.